Hello and welcome to another episode of the Jimmy Rex Show. Today on the show we have a special guest. This is probably the only time you're going to hear another real estate agent besides myself here on the show. And that's because I got to interview the legend, the man, Brandon Fugel. This guy is the top commercial real estate agent, Colville Banker, in the entire country. And he has built an empire here in the state of Utah. I don't throw that word out lightly, but what he's done is truly remarkable. Brandon is literally the hardest worker I've ever met. Uh, he is my go-to source for anytime I have any kind of commercial deal. He's the one I refer it to with his team with Jordan Wall and Eric Larson. They just, everyone else they got over there, do such a great job. And uh, it was a real treat to sit down with Brandon and really dive into his story a little bit more. And you guys will get to get a feel for how hard this man has worked to build what he has and I always say, you know, everybody wants to be, they see somebody like Brandon, they want to be where he's at in life, and they don't really want to do what they did to get there, though. And Brandon is a perfect example of, like, building a life of just a really exceptional person. And so, without further ado, here is Brandon Fugel. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Jimmy Rex Show. Today I am here in the office downtown with Brandon Fugel. Uh, if you have driven anywhere in the Utah Valley or Salt Lake County in the last 10 years, you've definitely seen Brandon's face and name many and many a times. I think you just told me you currently have 200 active commercial building listings. Is that correct? Correct. And you are the, I don't want to screw this up because I want to give props where props is due. And you're an inspiration to me being in the real estate field. You are the top commercial real estate agent for, for Coldwell Banker Commercial in the world. Is that correct? Okay, yeah. excellent. And so how long have, I, I want to dive into your story a little bit. It's so fascinating. You started at such a young age. I mean, I felt like I got into real estate at a young age. I was 23, but you got in even earlier than that, right? Right, at 18. So I've, I've lived my whole adult life in uh, in the business world. I, I launched my commercial real estate practice one week out of high school. I went to Pleasant Grove High School okay. in Utah County and uh, and that week I graduated from high school I launched into the business and have never looked back and I and I started with a focus on corporate real estate or really selling primarily office buildings, office parks because uh, it, it that side of the business fascinated me. It was working with those CEOs, those entrepreneurs and visionaries that really attracted me to the business. Well, and so what, I mean, you, you started right after high school. What clicked in you or what, I mean, were you just as a little kid always intrigued with real estate or at what point did you no. know you were going to go into this? Because that's so young. It's funny. It's a good, it's a good question. You know, when I was 13, I was a, uh, I was in the eighth grade, Pleasant Grove Junior High. My father got a book for Father's Day called Iacocca. It was the autobiography of the iconic, you know, auto industry, you know, leader, visionary. You know, Lee Iacocca was really the father of the American Mustang and really engineered the Chrysler turnaround. And we can blame him for the minivan. So all of us uh, who are uh, always behind minivans going too slow in Utah County or Salt Lake County can blame Lee Iacocca in part for that. But I read that book cover to cover uh, when my dad got that for his, uh, his Father's Day gift, and it changed my life. It opened my eyes to the world of business, and by the time I was a senior in high school, I was really trying to identify a career path that would afford me the opportunity to work with the captains of industry, That's with the right. people that are really shaping the landscape of our world in a very real, tangible way. And you know, after looking at everything from banking to securities brokerage to you know, corporate law, 
commercial real estate uh, really was a, a field that would, in my, my mind, give me the opportunity to work with you know everyone from state municipal leaders to to those visionaries and entrepreneurs. Well, that's one of the things. Being in residential real estate, I've always said that I wish the only reason I wish I'd gone into commercial is because the caliber of people you get to work with every day. Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with the CEOs and the founders of these companies all over the state. Right? You bet. It's a. I feel like I have the greatest job in the world. I, I get to see the. The, uh, the companies as they're emerging, coming right out of the garage, if you will, literally. Mm-hmm. And you, you have the opportunity to work with Fortune 500 companies and some of the largest employers that are, that are truly changing our communities and providing employment and opportunities on a scale that I think people would have never imagined. Oh, I love that. I love that. And something fascinating, you've told this story to me before. Um, I've got to get you to share this story here. Because you got in when you were 18, but you served an LDS mission. Correct. So you told me before you took a cell phone, I mean, back when they were big bricks, on your mission. You were literally doing real estate while you were on your mission. Is this, tell the story. Well, yeah, I'll, uh, I don't want to uh, preach false doctrine, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Um, and it's, it's, it is true. I mean, my first big deals closed while I was a missionary. So I worked for 14, 15 months uh, from age 18 to 19. Um, right out of high school and, and really built my practice. I built a proprietary database tracking all the inventory from downtown Salt Lake to Provo, so the, the Wasatch Front commercial real estate market, and started really contacting business owners and entrepreneurs in an effort to hopefully represent them. It was very difficult. I made all of $500 my first year working full-time, going to school full-time at what is now UVU. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was a character-building time. You only made $500 working 60 hours a week your first full year. Correct. Wow. It was absolute starvation mode. But I really saw it as, as my Training education. Yeah. yeah, it was my Harvard MBA equivalent at the time. And so I, I elected to serve a mission for the LDS Church, uh, which frankly is, is one of the, the most important decisions I've ever made in my life. It, it had more of an impact on me. It still does on a day-to-day basis. That experience is invaluable. Um, Would you expand on that a little bit? Was yeah. there something in particular about no, that, I, that? I think it's the opportunity to go out and see other cultures, to, to serve people, um, and to, to really you know put your own selfish cares aside. Difficult for someone 18 going on 19 that is focused on business. Uh, it was a big deal to go into to, uh, the mission field. And I'll tell you, I kept my license active. On my way to the mission training center, my parents drove by one of my only listings. It was uh, on University um, Avenue there at the time, right across from the Riverside Country Club. Sure. And uh, when I went into the MTC, I had an office complex under contract in Salt Lake City that ended up closing while I was in my green area, or that first area as, you're in, or as, you're a, as you are a young missionary. And uh, that p- complex was called Parkview Plaza. And it was funny, I had them wire the money to my Bank of Hawaii account at the time, and uh, to celebrate, I bought my first Armani suit at Kahala Mall. So I'm a missionary on a bike on the west side of Oahu in this area that's pretty pretty rough, <laughs> called Makaha Waianae. Any of you who uh, are familiar with uh, the west side of Oahu will know what I'm talking about. And it was really an, it was an interesting time. I finally saw the rewards of really planting all those seeds and working that year plus before my mission. And 
You're right. I did have a brick phone. I had one of those Michael Douglas Wall Street brick phones with a fixed antenna that I kept in touch uh, with my office. With, but I, I tried to use it sparingly, and uh, frankly, I got in trouble. The mission president. Uh, <laughs> but weren't you conducting deals in Hawaii as well? And that's well, when you finally put the kibosh on. No, I had them under contract before I went into the mission field, and I was just making sure I wasn't getting okay. screwed over. That's probably fair. <laughs> and I was making sure that they actually closed and that uh, people were being taken care of by my good partners at home. And uh, and so once they all ran their course, and I, I closed a number of deals while I was in the mission field that. Uh, that uh, you know really blessed my life, uh, uh, and and gave me that platform to move from. So you got home, and I mean, you hit the ground running. Probably you already had all these things yeah. already going. You had money that had come in while you were on. Yeah, mission. although I blew it, you know, I, I you know you, you you buy an Armani suit. Sure. You know, I, I didn't really live on ramen noodles like most missionaries. I mean, we I take my companions to to lunch and dinner most times, and so I. Uh, I, I probably wasn't as uh, conservative as I should have been. Uh, so I got home, had pretty much blown all the money I'd made, okay. um, and started off with nothing but my intelligence, and I had my laptop and my contact management program that I built before my mission that I literally updated. And the day after I got home, I jumped right back in headfirst and have never looked back since. Yeah, and I think the most admirable thing that anybody that knows you, Brandon, knows, like above all else, you're just, your ability to work um, is nothing short of inspiring. I mean, on an average week, just to give people an idea, both when you were building your business and now, I mean, honest, honest, how many hours are you putting? I get emails from you at like 3 in the morning. So yeah, I know so truth be known, I, I'm probably, out of all the people that you're interviewing for your podcast, I'm probably the least balanced person. So I'm not really a good example of work-life balance. My priorities have been really screwed up for most of my life and that I've been really probably disproportionately oriented toward business. And, and But it's a, it's, it's well, a... Why is that? What is it? What's the driver there? You know, it, when business is your hobby, when you derive joy and you, your rush is closing deals and working with the captains of industry, it's both a blessing, but it's also a curse if sure. you're trying to manage a family and other obligations. And you know, I jumped right back into the business, right off of my mission, and have not looked back. And, and to answer your question, I typically work 80 to 100 hours a week. You know, I start in the morning early, and I, I usually pull out of the parking lot anywhere from, from midnight to 4 a.m., Monday through Friday, and then I crash on the weekends and try to recharge and focus on my family and, you know, try to convince my wife to still be married to me. And um, it's a... It, it's a Tough challenge. I think everyone is seeking balance. I mean, that's something that you hear all the time with executives and thought leaders. Is you know, the, you know, everyone trying to focus on on their balance in their life. Yeah, well, I think real motivated people though that are driven towards one thing, and you're lucky enough that you found a career that is your hobby. That's a very important part of this. I think it's not like you are working eighty to one hundred hours a week. This is what you do for enjoyment as well. Yeah, but most I, days. I think most of the time, like anybody that's going to be the top of their game, they have a very imbalanced life in other areas. Right? Yeah, there are trade offs. There are trade offs. Some call them compromises. I mean, but I I would say there are trade offs. Everyone has different. Uh, levels of prioritization and different goals and aspirations in life and you know I've been fortunate in that 
not only do I love my business, but in the commercial real estate business, you see a tangible manifestation of your labors every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I have really the most exciting business opportunity of everyone in the market in that I can drive down the street and truly see visibly the impact of my labors. You know, the opportunity to orchestrate transactions that truly transform communities I mean, we're community builders, right? I mean, you've literally, you've literally shaped how this community I mean, formed and how it looks. Yeah, to, to put together millions of square feet of, of deals, of projects that provide employment, um, shopping, you know, live, work, play experience, and, and really, in, in a very tangible way, transform our communities and propel us into the future. And having a seat at that table and to have the the honor of sitting with those visionaries and to be a strategic advisor to to those entrepreneurs, those municipal and state leaders, and the, the people that are really helping to forge that is a, is a privilege. Well, and you really take that serious. I remember a couple of years ago, we went, um, uh, one of the other commercial agents that you were working together on a deal with, with the founders of Money Desktop at Max. Yeah. Uh, we were going out with Dave James or Ryan Caldwell. You, they were trying to decide how they wanted their building design to look. And you literally, we jumped on a plane together. There's yeah. five of us, I think, on that private plane. And we headed out to California and we toured buildings all day. Yeah. Just so that you could give them a better feel for what they were looking at. I mean, you really took a lot of pride in that. Yeah, it, it was exciting to, to, to grab some of the top executives in the market and to be able to hop on a jet, fly and tour Google's campus. You mm-hmm. probably remember yeah, yeah. to be able to see Google and really what they were doing with their YouTube division and whatnot and see how they were approaching their facilities requirement and then bring that back to Utah and to the Wasatch Front was uh, was a special experience. And, and working with that team, Ryan Caldwell, what a visionary. I mean, yeah. MX is one of the most exciting fintech companies right now in the market and to see really them, I think, taking a leadership position in the Silicon Slopes community. It, it has been exciting. And to be a part of that and to have the honor of, uh, of representing them and advising them through that process. It was funny, you know, when we were doing our site selection process, in addition to flying out to California to look at what Google and others were doing at the time uh, in order to try to identify the, the appropriate path with their facilities planning, I remember we took a helicopter ride up to the point of the mountain which is that magical place where Utah County and the Salt Lake County markets converge. It's kind of in the center of gravity for over 80% of the dynamic development over the last few years. It's funny, taking that executive team, you know, Ryan and Dave, and literally hovering over the site where they were going to put their headquarters. And to be able to, it was funny, we... I remember well, you, you have a helicopter. You do this for yeah, we, multiple clients. Yeah, we right? use aviation. Yeah. We're one of the only commercial real estate companies that I'm aware of on the planet that uses aviation on a constant basis in order to assist clients with making the most intelligent decisions. That's great. I mean, it's a it's a time machine, if you will. But it was funny using that helicopter tour. It really brought the facilities planning process to life, and to be able to hover right at where the fifth floor of their planned building was going to be and to be able to do a 360-degree view and, and take a video of what those employees and those, those executives in the future were going to be seeing. Wow, what a service that, to be able to provide. Oh, it, it was fun. It, it brings it to life. It brings real estate to life. And frankly, you know, I, I, I say it often, you know, people, people often say that death and taxes, you can't escape death and taxes. Well, I, I say that in business... 
if you don't have a real estate strategy, you're going to die as well. I mean, you're, you really can't escape real estate. Yeah, it's everywhere, um, everything that you're touching, right? Yeah, everyone in business should have a real estate strategy and should have a trusted advisor that can help them as a confidant navigate that process and, and really chart the course. Yeah. Not only to, to save money and time, but also to help identify, I think, the clearest path to be able to, to help scale their business. Well, and it's funny because people will come to me quite a bit and say, hey, do you do commercial real estate? And as you know, commercial and residential are like two completely different jobs. It's completely like plumbing and electrician, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's literally that different. And I just refer everybody to you because I would much rather work with you and your team professionals that I know know exactly what's going on. The last thing I'm going to do is try to pretend like I know what I'm doing just to get a large commission check. But it just goes to speak. I mean, literally, you guys were the easiest choice for me to refer all my well, you know, you know, business to. And vice versa. On the residential side, it's been fun to watch you build a brand and to be a confidant to people as they are, are looking at their residential strategy. It, it, you know, where, you know, where are they going to end up locating their families and what is the the, the most wise path. Yeah, I take a lot of pride in knowing that like this is where people are going to literally, their kid's entire memory of life is going to be determined upon where I find that right home. There's a lot of pressure behind that for me and I take a lot of pride in that to make sure I really know the market, know the neighborhoods, and can put them in the right place, right? Amen. So, well, one thing I wanted to ask you, because when I started out in the business, I was young as well, 22, 23, and I did work those hours for the first four or five years. Um, but then I kind of pivoted and I've kind of gone away from working 70, 80 hour weeks. At any point, do you kind of like feel like, is it worth it? I mean, or is it, do you just enjoy it that much? Or what did you have to sacrifice as well to, to make that happen? Well, it, the sad thing is something has to go. I mean, you, you there are trade-offs, as I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, it, it's a really good question. Um, I struggle with it every day. Uh, at this point in my life, it's not as important to me. Uh, it's not about working crazy hours or trying to outperform the market or dominate the market. I mean, that was my, my primary goal and ambition well for done. decades was total market domination. In fact, if you would have asked me at age 18, what, what, is, you know, what are your goals? Uh, my, my primary goal was really market domination. I felt like as long as I had a command of the market, you know, income accolades, everything else would follow an opportunity. And uh, at this stage of my career, my life, I think, you know, being able to, to, to really be a part of legacy projects, you know, leaving my imprint, if you will, on the communities that we serve and to be able to serve the companies that, that we have the privilege of representing and, and really helping them take it to the next level has been, has been important. I, and it's not about hours worked. It's about, you know, it's more quality than quantity mm -hmm. and, and working smarter. You know, I, I don't know, in my business, when you're in the professional services industry, it is, it's very difficult to replicate what you do. You're selling your intelligence, you know. Yeah, your, you're the one piece of it that you can't really yeah, hire out. You're not know? a widget, you can't, uh, right. <laughs> it's very difficult. People wanna work with you. Yeah, and, and thank goodness they haven't found a way to commoditize that quite yet. That's true. I mean, um, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting, stage that I'm, I'm at right now. I, I, I think I'm getting a lot more enjoyment out of mentoring and working with partners um, and, and helping others reach their goals and succeed. And, and I have, I've always had more of an abundance 
perspective on business. I've, I've always kind of gravitated toward abundance as opposed to scarcity, always believing that, you know, it, I'm, I'm going to be able to do much more, accomplish much more, make more money, etc., by partnering with everyone and not hoarding, you know, by literally working collaboratively. Well, that's something that you've done very well. I mean, I'm good friends with Jordan Wall and Eric Larson, some of these guys that are, you know, work and collaborate with you. And so is that mentor side kind of, because you can, you kind of help oversee how many agents here in Utah alone now with your office? Hundreds, hundreds. I mean, as a company, it's Coldwell Commercial Advisors that I own, I'm the chairman. We, we have 30 offices in 10 states, you know, between five, 600 professionals. I, I'm not exactly sure what the count is today, but you know, there are a lot of people that rely on, on, on really the platform and you know, the, the integrity of our company yeah. and the, the, the services, the tools that we give our professionals in order to, to really deliver bottom line results to their clients. I mean, I, I kind of liken it to, uh, to a race, if you will. I mean, it, you know, we want to develop the right race car. I mean, we don't want our people running around in a Yugo, no offense to those who drove a Yugo <laughs> or a Saturn, um, you know, we, we try, we've tried to develop kind of the Mercedes or the Porsche Turbo equivalent. Yeah, well, I think you've done a good job. That is your brand. I mean, that's why all these top people, I mean, they don't even consider anybody else. They, they're going with you guys, you know. And, uh, we're really fortunate. And, and it's about the people. You know, I know that's, that sounds so trendy. That's just such a trite thing to say. But the, the reality is we really do believe it. I mean, our assets walk in and out of the door. And my most valuable most valuable assets are my relationships. So somebody, you said it's about the people. I want to kind of pivot there for a second. What do you look for? Somebody that's listening to this and is thinking about getting into commercial real estate, you're going to be, you're an icon in the industry. You're an example of what, you know, some things to do. What What are you looking for in the right person? What does that right person have? Or how do you know Gosh. who's the right person? You know, it takes all sorts. You know, there isn't any one magical personality type. In fact, it's, it's surprising. You know, just when you think you've identified someone who seems to have, you know, all of the ingredients to be a top producing commercial real estate agent, you find that they, they don't cut it. They can't cut it. Uh, being a commissioned salesperson, uh, an independent contractor, I think takes a bit of a psychotic mentality. Um, you have to be a glutton for punishment to a degree and you have to be an optimist and you have to be consistent. I think the key to success in commercial real estate is really consistency, hard work, it's showing up. It's not rocket science. I mean, we, you know, what we do, while important and, and uh, you know, I believe, you know, you know, in some, many cases, complex, what we do is, uh, is more about being persistent and getting ahead of the curve mm -hmm. and, and being able to leverage market intelligence to help our clients prevail and to be able to make the right decisions for their businesses or their investment strategies. So do you see any changes coming up in the commercial real estate? I know there's a lot of money being put into tech right now for both residential and commercial real estate. What do you see in 15 years? Is the industry going to be completely different? Sure. Or do you think it'll be mostly similar to how it is today? Well, there's one thing we can always plan on, and that's change. Sure. <laughs> change is the, is the constant. And I've always said, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. No one, no one is standing still. You have to constantly be sharpening the saw, if you will. You have to be reinventing yourself. And, and 
you know, a lot of people say, what drives you? If you were to, to sum up in one word, what drives you, Brandon? And the honest, transparent truth is fear. Go into that. That's, that's um, not the word I would have thought of. Fear. I wake up every morning, especially Sunday night. And many of the executives, the entrepreneurs that are listening to this program, I think will relate. For, what, for whatever reason, my Sunday evenings, I start feeling that anxiety building toward the week ahead. And I'm always kind of fearful that that the market is going to change, that we're inevitably going to see a downturn because we, we're all subject to cyclical risk. I mean, again, it's part of part of the dynamic. It's part of the human experience. It's, it's change is so constant. We know that there are going to be market downturns. And I, I fear failure. I you know, I really don't see myself any different than I did when I was 18. I feel like I'm an 18-year-old stuck in a 44-year-old body, to be honest with you. And maybe I shouldn't admit that. But uh, but I really, I, I do count myself as really lucky. I'm not BSing you. I, I look at the opportunities that I've been given, you know, the the path that I've had the the privilege of of going down in my my business career my pursuits and and you know I I think in many days I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world to be to be doing what I love and to work with so many special people mm-hmm. and and to be able to have really an inside view a front row seat if you will mm-hmm. To the market. You ask, you know, what are the trends in the future relative to technology driving commercial real estate or residential, whatever. You know, it, it's funny. We are in a very privileged position on the very front line, in front row seat to see what is happening and to be able to anticipate to crystal ball what is going to happen in the market to a degree. Although no one has a crystal ball or we'd all be sitting sure. I'd be sitting on a private island right now <laughs> sipping pina coladas I don't think you'd last two weeks yeah. on that island <laughs> that's true uh, but in fact I've been I've been told that you don't own a pair of jeans is this correct that is, is true I, well I haven't had a pair of jeans since my gerbo jeans when I was 18 <laughs> graduating from high school which really dates me for anyone uh, from the 80s I'm a child of the 80s yeah. primarily but yeah, I, I don't own a pair of jeans. I did recently. Up until recently, I didn't have a pair of tennis shoes since I was 18. I, wow. Okay. I've always had you know dress shoes because I've worn a suit since I graduated from high school most days. Uh, but I do have a pair of Porsche design. Well, congrats, congrats on the new so pair of tennis shoes. I'm trying. And I know it's a little crazy. It's a little crazy. No, that's but you know one of the things that's kind of what you've this is kind of what your persona is. In fact, Jordan was telling me a story one time that. Your dad once told you that a real man has to mow his own lawn. <laughs> yes. Tell me the story, because yeah. you don't own tennis shoes, but you were you would mow your own lawn. Well, I used to. I mean, my dad always gave me crap, saying, you know, <laughs> you ought to at least, you know, you ought to at least care for your own yard, and you know, you know, like he said, Jordan, Jordan actually paraphrased it pretty accurately. My my uh, father, who was my greatest example, everyone, you know, a, a common question is, who is your your greatest example or mentor, and I have to honestly say it's my father. Okay. My dad, if 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 I become half the man my my dad is, I'll have it made. He is uh, the greatest example to me of work-life balance and really having your priorities aligned. But he he often did give me a hard time about that, and I hate yard work. I mean, I feel like hey, you work eighty to hundred hours a week. I think I can hire someone to go. Sure. Know, an expert, just like I try to pitch people all the time. You, you, 
you should have an expert helping you with your real estate Absolutely. strategies. Well, I've always said if you can hire somebody to do it as well as you in a fraction of what you make per hour, you should probably hire them to do it. Well, and I totally suck at yard work. <laughs> I, uh, same thing with athletics. I, I so you would mow the lawn in your suit and your shoes? Then yeah, I mean, just I'd, I'd have like an older <laughs> pair of slacks and my uh, dress shoes. I mean, in fact, I remember one meeting that I attended on a Monday morning. I didn't really pay attention, but I slipped on my dress shoes um, at the time to go to this meeting. It was at the prominent building owner developer, and we're sitting there at that table, and I looked down, and the grass clippings were still on my dress shoes, all over my dress shoes from uh, mowing my lawn that weekend. I think that was probably one of the last times I mowed my lawn. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, it was funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, my dad also imparted a lot of other wisdom. Another thing he always told me was, um, even though you may be operating on a on an empty, ta- empty tank, both physically and emotionally, you always have to be acting as if you're operating with a full tank of gas, coasting into your meetings. Um, he also used to always tell me, you know, even if you have holes in the soles of your shoes and the bottom of your feet, you know, always try to keep the top polished. Perception is reality, and that's uh, both a truth, it's a sad truth, but it's a reality with... Uh, with business and our interactions every day. Yeah, well I remember the first real estate broker I ever went in to meet with, I, I just got my license, and you know, I mean just to give you an opportunity, uh, or a, a, a vision of what his opportunity was, I went in and I interviewed three brokers, and I was really leaning heavily towards one company, but when I met with the broker, his shirt was kind of tattered at the seam a little bit, and the collar, and it was kind of like messed up. And disheveled. I literally didn't go with his company because of that. In my first two years in the business, I closed over 150 transactions that his company would have had the benefit if he literally would have been dressed nicer. I, that was, to me, I was like, I, this doesn't feel professional. Yeah. And so there is an opportunity there that you can miss it's out. tough. The real estate business is much that way. But hey, you look at Silicon Slopes, you look at our tech community, and you know, I would say in fairness, you know, the expectation of someone of a professional showing up a, in a suit is very much yesteryear. You actually turn them off. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people kind of grab their wallet or they think that there's, you're coming in to audit their business or you're an attorney. Yeah. And uh, and and so it's it's interesting. Um, you know, you have to you have to match the culture to a degree of the clientele that's that you're servicing, and that's a hard thing because I. I dress, you know, I wear cufflinks every day and I dress in a suit and, uh, but I think they kind of appreciate you're like the professional of the group, you know, like even like when I, like I did, I spoke at the door to door conference last weekend they did with all these door to door sales guys, Mm -hmm. the Bivens and all that. And I wore jeans, a shirt and a hat, you know, because that was more relatable to that group. And that's how I dress when I'm around that meeting. Yeah. I, I had to learn that the hard way. So I, I once got fired for showing up um, not dressed appropriately because I was dressed with cufflinks and uh, and probably and where was too that dressed at? up. It was, uh, uh, I probably shouldn't share this, but I will. Um, I'm a pretty transparent guy. Cabela's. Oh. So I had the opportunity many years ago to work jointly in partnership with uh, with a partner of mine, a broker to, uh, to do the site selection and real estate um, you know, transaction negotiating for Cabela's nationwide. And we had a key, a pivotal meeting back east. We flew everyone there on private jets and we 
tied up a large piece of property in Hammond, Indiana. And I remember uh, the night before flying out to pick up the Cabela's executives to go back to tour this site, my partner called me and said, Brandon, do me a favor. Please dress down. Please don't wear a tie. Can you please dress down? The founders are going to be there, and you know we need to, to really you know, reflect their culture. Sure, sure. And I said, great, you bet, no problem. So what did I do? I, I didn't wear a tie. I showed up with my Armani slacks and a white you know, dress shirt and cufflinks and went to, the, uh, went to the tour. We flew back, and it was very successful, and I, I was called in the next day. And I, I felt like I was, I was hopefully getting called in to, to get a pat on the back for a successful uh, deal. I mean, we, you know, we were getting the, the approval to proceed, and I was informed that uh, they no longer wanted me to work on the account, um, that the CEO at the time, wow. um, after, after touring, pulled his team aside and said, who the hell is that guy who'd show up with cufflinks? Over in the corner of the room, who is he? Who is he with? And when they said, well, that's our broker, that's, that's Brandon Feudal, he said, well, hmm. So he goes back, and to, to, to probably make it even worse, when he got back to the office, I think that night, he pulled up and found uh, that I wasn't, uh, that I, I was not a member of the Cabela's catalog, sure, that I sure. had not really bought any hunting or fishing gear, and uh, I think that was the nail was on the, the coffin. coffin. He wanted somebody that was going to. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so it was a good learning experience for me. Very valuable learning experience. Well, that's thanks for sharing that. That is a good. And it was humbling. Lesson. It was very humbling because I, I I I learned a valuable lesson that you need to you need to be in tune with your clients and you need to be in tune with where you need to be culturally if you're representing them. Yeah, oh, that's and, great. Uh, and so that was one case where it worked to my. Uh, Disadvantage. So now that you've had all this success, you know, you're in your mid-40s and you started so young, what would what advice would you give to young Brandon? Or again, I just try to like so many things that you've learned along the way. Obviously, so many things have gone so well for you, but what advice would you give to young Brandon, both life or business, um, looking back? You know, I'd say It's going to sound very simple. Relationships are more important. Transactions aren't as important. It's the relationships you build along the way. Um, if you focus foremost on being there as a confidant and, and being there to advise people regardless of whether there is a commission to be had mm. in the foreseeable future, um, I think that's important. I think. Uh, I think also treating everyone as if they're Bill Gates. You know, I had a client. I love that. He's still my client to this day, but one of my first developer clients when I was 18, right out of high school, um, had quite an impact on me. And he, he treated everyone with such a, uh, a, deal of res a great deal of respect and warmth. Um, he treated everyone like they were the center of attention and they were Bill Gates. He treated everyone as if he was meeting Bill Gates or Elon Musk. And sure. And draw sure. kind of a, a figure from, you know, today's economy. And it, it really had an impact on me to see how, how much of a difference that made when people truly felt like they were loved, that, you know, their needs were important and took a front seat. They were 
They were foremost. It wasn't about the transaction, getting a deal done, or a commission, yeah. or the money. It was about providing a service and being there as a trusted advisor. And that's really the way I've always seen kind of my role since I was a teenager. You know, even at age 18, I never saw myself as a real estate agent or as a commission salesperson, you know, as a vendor. Mm-hmm. I saw myself really as, as hopefully having, having the privilege of being a trusted advisor to the captains of industry, to the entrepreneurs that are really taking the risks and making it happen. And I, you know, I have to, I have to really give props to the risk takers in this market. I'm just lucky to have a seat at the table to assist. Yeah, I agree. It's inspiring to see people that just are have that ability to just throw everything into it, the next project and the next project. It's inspiring for sure. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the thank goodness for the risk takers, the people, the crazy makers, if yeah. you will, um, yeah. that think outside of the box and really put it all on the line. I, I, I think people take it for granted. I, I don't think that, you know, yeah. Well, it's very easy to play safe in life and then to look back and be like, well, yeah, I didn't offend anybody. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't make any mistakes. But the people that I truly admire are those that damn the results. I'm going forward. I got a mission. and I'm going to go after it. You know? Yeah. And it's not for everyone. Safe isn't for everyone. Well, even you. I mean, I remember when I first met you 10 years ago, from then to now, you just keep adding offices and buildings and just growing and growing. And, you know, I've kind of looked back at my own residential I've played it small in a few ways where I look at what you've done and it inspires me and so I think you know it's a real testament you have 200 active clients right now buildings here in Utah you don't get that without living those principles that you've talked about here on the podcast so I just want to thank you as somebody that is inspiring all of us you really are and it's a reminder every day I'm driving down the freeway and see your name 10 times uh, that I've got a level that I I need to keep pushing all no. this for. So. It's a privilege. You're only as good as your next deal. I've, you know, every day I walk, wake up feeling unemployed. <laughs> and uh, it, it really, I mean, the bigger the deal you close, uh, if, if you're any good, you know that you're virtually unemployed the yeah. moment that uh, the deal comes to fruition. And it's time to go out and fill the pipeline. And I think that that's probably part of that fear element that has driven me through my career is, is knowing that you know, I have to constantly be, be filling the pipeline and that you are only as good as your next engagement, as your next assignment, as your next client. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it, it, it really propels you forward positively. Well, it's a great mindset. Anyone listening to this is going to take a lot out of it. So thank you again for your time. I know you're busy. Business oh. guy I know. and <laughs> I appreciate the time. No, thank you. It's an honor. I look forward to anyone who has any questions. Feel free to email me. I'm you Google me, you can find my We'll attach your contact info to the uh, to the website and anybody looking for commercial real estate, yep. Brian Fugel. We'll point you in the right direction. Thank, Thank you. you. That's our show for today. But one more thing before you hit pause and head off to making an extraordinary life. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe via iTunes and leave a review. As always, you can find this episode, the show notes, and much, much more at thejimmyrexshow.com or on our Jimmy Rex Show YouTube page as well. Feel free to share this on your social media and with other people that you know want to live an extraordinary life. Until next time, take care.